Back again. It's the Royal Urban Mobile Podcast. Another episode from Shibuya, Tokyo. I'm Cliff. Chocolate Buddha in the house. We're kicking back here in, in Shibuya. It's like our second home, and uh, we're here in the Mobile Man Cave, old 99 Chevy van. Fellas used to call it a shagging wagon back then, but, you know, we're just kicking here in Tokyo, watching that guy come across the street with a cigarette in his mouth. Hey! Anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> He's like, who the we're fuck chilling. is that? Yeah. <laughs> Scared the shit out of me. <laughs> All right, so our guest today, first before I introduce her, uh, we, we, I'm just letting you know we're going to be talking all about food. Food. Food, food, food. Food porn, baby. Food porn. All right, and our guest today, she is a food and travel writer, and she's doing a lot of other cool things, and she's going to let you know what she's up to. And her name is Stephanie Haddad. This is Diana from the podcast Curly and Kansai. You are now listening to the Raw Urban Mobile Podcast. Hello. What's What's going on, Steph? I'm just happy to be here. It's a gorgeous Sunday. Yeah. Hanami season. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And and thanks for uh, being a fan of the podcast, you know. I love it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Love it. Uh, Let's see. um, where, Where did we meet? We met at an on one event. Yes, on one. Uh, a music event on y- the yeah, rooftop. rooftop. Yeah, which is pretty magical. Shout out to Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy on okay. One. Jimmy okay. Jimmy okay. The home Jimmy's going to be on too. We're going to have oh, him good. on soon. He's very multi-talented guy. Yes. Love one love to on one. <laughs> yeah, so give us a, a short intro of who you are. So I'm Stephanie. I so, I'm from LA. And um, my career started out in the entertainment industry, actually, editing and producing TV shows, movie trailers, commercials, uh, award shows, all kinds of stuff. Nice. How did you get into that? I went to film school at UCSB. Okay. And studied film and media studies. And then also studied English and journalism. And yeah, so I've always been a writer. And a storyteller, really. That's that's sort of where I shine and what I love. And I, I'm, a, I'm a natural born storyteller at heart. Okay, so you, you know what? You set yourself up. <laughs> there you go. We, I hope. Oh, we want to hear some stories today. I'm telling right. you. But uh, yeah, so was editing for a really long time. And I, I think that's my favorite way to tell a story. And um, But I, I kind of reached a little burnout phase. And I felt like I needed a challenge more in my life. And felt like Groundhog Day in L.A., you know. Every day is the same. It's sunny. It's beautiful. And I always knew what to expect. Came to Japan. Fell in love. I had a period of time in my life, about two years, where I would wake up every day craving Japanese food. Wow. No joke. My stomach just needed it. Like, whether it was tempura or soba or udon. Sushi, of course. I mean, L.A. is a great sushi scene. I just wanted to drive to Little Tokyo every day and go explore the little hidden gems there. So that's in L.A.? Little that's Tokyo. in L.A., yeah, yeah. yeah, in downtown L.A. Um, and it's really up-and-coming scene right now. The, the Japanese food scene in L.A. is getting hotter and hotter by the minute and more and more authentic. Uh, that's what I, That was my next question. Is it authentic? Yeah. Though? Yeah, okay. yeah, so, you know, there's there's a range there, but... Generally speaking, it's it's not too bad. I mean, I go home and I'm still happy to eat at my local sushi place at Ike Sushi. 
Shout out. Shout out to Ike Sushi. <laughs> Rick, Rick, Rick San. Yeah, Rick. It used to be owned by Ike San, but then a Korean guy named Rick bought it, and he's he's do, serving amazing fish. He actually has his fish imported from Tsukiji Market. Oh. Well, now I should say well, Toyosu, but yeah. Yeah, yeah Toyosu. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'm still happy to go home and eat sushi, which I think says something. Okay. Um, but yeah, I I just hit, had this weird craving in my in my heart, my soul, and my stomach. Came out to Japan, fell in love. Within six months, I just kind of dropped everything and put the wheels into gear to move myself out here. I just felt like I needed to do it. Wow. Like just kind of challenge myself and see what I could find. And I don't know. And you've been, you've been doing it. it. Yeah. Been. Yeah. And so within the year, the first year of being here, I just was eating my way through Japan as <laughs> much as possible. Yeah. Every, I mean, you know, I didn't know anybody. I would find these hidden gems and it was a challenge like I'd get turned down from empty restaurants because I didn't know any Japanese and 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 it was like okay challenge accepted so I you're gonna deny me my food yeah my craving like I know you have good shit in here (laughs) that's right I want to eat it get to cooking bitches (laughs) do I have to talk to eat so I I at least knew I at least needed to learn how to say like one person please you know to be seated and so I finally kind of learned how to work my way through a restaurant and started getting into more restaurants and did a ton of research all the time and Finally, I would just, you know, I, I started curating a really nice list of places that I liked that were not tourist traps because I refuse to eat that shit. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not gotcha. going to do it. I have a really picky palate. Mom and pop shops is the way to go. It is. I love small business owners and like, yeah, that's that's the way to go. You're getting better quality product and love in your food. And I believe that food carries so much energy. So, yeah, I want the good stuff. You know what? My um I think my mom's going to be coming this year, so. Oh, well, we'll have to take her on a food yeah, trip. Yeah, yeah, we're going to have to do your Absolutely. your tours. Yeah, so talk about So that. yeah, so started yeah. eating, started curating lists, and it just naturally happened the idea for Japan food trips. And that's what I'm doing now. I have a small business. It's a boutique, you know, food tour company where I curate a day of eating. And I I I, I when I go out to eat, I don't I'm, I want to eat it all, all the time. So just going out to eat at one place is never enough. I want to start out, you know, it's almost like when you have a a main course at a restaurant, you have an appetizer, you have an entree, you have your dessert. Well, why not do that at all these different places? When you're visiting Japan, you want to see as much as possible. So why not cram three places into one for one meal, for your lunch, for your dinner? Let's start out and have a snack here. Then we'll move on. We'll have something a little heavier there and then, you know, go have dessert elsewhere. The way you sound, you should be big as a house. <laughs> I know you got a gym membership somewhere because you petite. Oh, my gosh. You're, no. you're, you're, you're a small person to be consuming that much damn food. <laughs> What's your I do that shit. I wouldn't even be able to fit in this damn I definitely put on some pounds in Japan. Uh, okay, well. <laughs> hey, let me test you. I'm going to test your palate. All right. You tell me, uh, oh, oh, I love it. Okay. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Natto. <sighs> wow. I Not all natto is created equally, first mm. of all. Mm. Um, oh, first of all, let the audience know what natto is. Natto is fermented soybeans, and they're this very light tan brown color, and they have a very slimy outer layer, and it's pretty nasty when you first approach it. Uh, but it's the same as, you know, any other delicacy, like... If you go buy it from a 
convenience store, it's not it's not the best quality. If you have it from a restaurant that's you know spent a lot of time hand making it, it's gonna taste better. Mm-hmm. It's a funky taste, and I I like the funk of in most things, but. You know, it's an acquired taste, and I'm okay on it. If I go to a nice restaurant and it, and it's presented to me, I'll eat it. It's, it's healthy, but yeah, it is healthy. I would rather, you know, if I'm gonna eat, it's. I think it's considered macrobiotic. Mm-hmm. And it is. Uh, if I'm gonna eat macrobiotic, I'd rather just have some umeboshi plum, pickled umeboshi plum stuff. And I love miso. I'm huge on miso. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay, number two. Okay. This one's gonna be a little easier for you. Mm. Unagi. Love. Oh, Love that's what, is, what is unagi? What is unagi? It's sea eel. Ooh, sea eel. Yeah, actually, I'm sorry. Anago. Yeah, yeah, you're is sea right. eel yeah, and right. unagi is freshwater eel. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And I love both. Yeah. Unagi is generally used with a tare sauce, which is a sweet sort of teriyaki tasting sauce. Um, anago usually is grilled um, or salted, but still they'll still serve it both ways with the tare sauce or this shio salt. Mm. Okay, this is a life or death one. Mm. Fugu. I like fugu, mm. um, but I feel sad eating fugu because, well, first of all, the, the texture of fugu is a little tough. It's not super buttery, which is fine, and it's, it's great. Mm-hmm. I love it. But do you know how smart blowfish are blowfish actually mate by creating art in the sand beautiful works of art to attract a mate Mm. and it's like mind-blowing so if it's something this is where i get weird with food like i yeah okay i eat chicken i eat pork i eat beef i eat horse love it yeah i love basashi yeah but if there's a meat or a fish that's it doesn't make me crumble or melt to the ground with in awe i tried not to to seek it out mm-hmm. fugu is one of those things because i'm like it's such a if i can just you know if i'm a little bit pickier i can be a little more sustainable so yeah but i did have fugu egg pasta that was awesome wow fugu so egg. it almost the eggs were reminiscent of a batarga so you got almost like a caviar and it and it and it had almost and also like a mentaiko it had a punch to it a spice so mentaiko is uh, small fish eggs and that's used in pasta a lot as you probably mm-hmm. know yes yes and so yeah but it was it was reminiscent of that but like smaller crunchier and, and it had that spice so that was really cool okay uh, so, maybe you could give a warning fugu is for the for the record oh, blowfish. blowfish blowfish right right yeah. now maybe you could give a warning to people Mm. who want to just do it on their own, like cut the fugu and slice it and eat it on their own. No, you'll die. Yeah. You have to have a license to serve fugu. Hardcore. Yes. You can die cutting it, handling it. You can die eating it. You can die cutting it? Yes. Wow. If you cut it the wrong way or you handle it the wrong way, Uh you, like, you know, if you were to cut yourself or nick yourself and Uh you got a little poison in you, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know they were poisonous, but I was just thinking more so of eating. But even if you cut it, I'm pretty wow. sure, like, if you were to hold a blowfish, because they have spikes. Yeah. And that's yeah. how they release their venom. Gotcha. So I guess it, it all depends how carefully you're handled. Yeah. All right. Just, just to not to stay on fugu too long, but I just heard from a lady mm. that um, they have fugu that they um, 
that they raise in some kind of like onsen water or some yeah, type I, of water. Yeah, I was telling you about that. I read no, an article. No, you were telling me about it. Okay. Yeah. Where, go ahead and explain it to her. Well, from what I remember, basically they were saying that if fugu or if they're raised in a, in a different environment, such as, um, yeah, onsen, whatever, a different environment, not not in the wild, not in the sea, that they're not necessarily poisonous. Ah, they're farmed. Yeah, they're farmed. farmed yeah. Right. So because okay. they're farmed, they're not poisonous. And, and they're, they're genetically sm- modified to not have poison. I guess, yeah, pretty much, right? So that that was what the article was about in this small town, you know. Which yeah. can be a danger within itself once we start genetically modifying. Oh, everything is. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nowadays. But, but I've, I've never had fugu. I mean, you guys. So I've had you've it. had it and you yeah. like it? Right, right. It was nice. They had it fried. You know, yeah. of course, Southern brother. You know, so, what, so Southern you, soul brother love they fried food. Before you take a bite, were you like, okay, this could be the end of my life right here? No, I was, I was looking at the, I was looking at yeah, the right? chef, the fugu chef, and I was like, man, you're the greatest look. You're the handsomest looking dude I ever saw. Uh, whatever, anything I could do to help you, man. I mean, so there wasn't, I don't want there, you pissed well, off fir- at me. You didn't have any worries? You didn't have any? No, I did. I, the first time I had it, though, I was at Narisawa, which is like one of the top restaurants in Japan. It was on the, it was number eight at the time that I ate there, you know, three Michelin stars, you know, very reputable mm-hmm. restaurant. So it, they, they brought it to us and yeah, my heart skipped a beat. I was <laughs> like, Oh my God, this is, this is happening. Yeah. Okay. I didn't, I wasn't too worried cause we were at, you know, one of the top restaurants in the world, but yeah, then my friend and I, and this was on my first trip to Japan. My friend and I dove in and, I was like, "Are we? Am I tripping out? Do you feel that? Do you feel a little high? Do you feel a little tingly? <laughs> I'm getting a little dizzy." And we're like, I think we psyched ourselves out, and we yeah, were really right. we were freaking out a little. And I, I mean, pretty sure it was the placebo effect. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's why you want to tell the chef, "Hey, man, I'm your boy." You know, because at first I was thinking, I was just telling my wife, I was like, oh, I have to get rid of this guy gene. Too many guy genes. In <laughs> yeah, let's get so rid of a little, little poison, little secretion. <laughs> no, but, you know, on but that note, great, on that note, and, and I don't want to uh, get dark here, but like things like that and, and just like other things in life reminds me that our lives like we like a lot of us are responsible for each other's lives you know if, yeah. you, if you're a cook if oh you're a, um a pilot like you can a actually doctor. dude yeah. i I've, I've been in the ho- i've been hospitalized for fo- for food for food poisoning Poison. several times in my life how about here never here never here thank okay. god knock on wood yeah <laughs> yeah i in la i would eat at this restaurant called animal which is one of the top restaurants in la they've been around forever they i I screwed myself because I should have known better. After I ate there one time, I got a staple in the side of my fucking gum. Whoa. Yeah. It was like I took a bite and it went like record scratch. My brain literally spun around 360. Wow. And I put my finger in and pulled out a staple. And I was like, what is this? And I showed it to the waitress and she's like, "Uh, can I have that? She brings it into the back room. She's like, we're really sorry. I'm like, what? what? I'm, I was like shaking, traumatized. Yeah. Like, I just wanted to get out. They took the quail. It was from the quail off the bill and then still charged us. Normally, in my right mind, it would have been like, I'm not paying for any of this. I got to go. But I was like, okay, let's just go. Here's the money. Let's go. Got a tetanus shot the next day. You know, three months go by and I was still dreaming of their foie gras. 
And the, oh, <laughs> what if I just went back for the foie gras? <laughs> I, I think that would be okay. You're such a foodie. I'm I went, I gave him another try, took my dad. <laughs> I had always been talking about it. I wanted to bring him. We both got so sick from eating there. Literally to the day we ended up in the hospital and we got, um, um, what is it? Um, Colon, our, our oh, E. coli. Something. Basically, we got like diverticulitis. Okay, kind okay. of like, yeah. It was it was so traumatic. I was in the hospital for three days from eating an animal, and my dad was too, and he's never been the same since. Wow. So wow. It, it really, and I always find things in my food. I don't know what it is. It's because I'm looking at my food all the time really closely but i find things in my food mostly when i go back to the states here the food quality is impeccable there is just such a high higher level such an elevated level of integrity when it comes to cooking in this country and it's like amazing it just makes me so happy and i feel so much safer i never felt safe eating in the states it the food quality is horrible and i swear a lot of it has to do with the water Mm. What they're cooking with and, you know, recycled water and bacteria and all these things. And there's just such a higher level. Cost cutting and all that oh crap. Oh, my God, yeah. So is that restaurant still open? It's still open. Uh-oh. Animal's still open. So you got burnt twice by the, or poisoned twice by the same. I did. Wow, I man. did. And so, these guys have a ton of restaurants in L.A. Wow. So, you know. Well, yeah. I guess I just had shit luck, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So when you got here, are, are you still into like TV writing and? and uh, I, I, mean, well, I wasn't a editing, TV writer, me, TV editor. Me. Yeah. Yes. I, so, so I fill in my time here between editing mostly TV commercials because of the language barrier for me. I can't cut like full on TV shows. Okay. So I cut a lot of commercials, um, like McDonald's commercials, Shue Muda makeup commercials, those kinds of things. And then I run my food tours. And I and I write food articles and restaurant reviews and travel articles as well. So I'm kind of all over the map, but I love it. Nice. So you're just moving around. Yeah, and, I just like and, keeping and doing myself things busy. you love, right? Exactly. That's, that's, the... that's what it's about. Like, yeah. like I said, I got a little burnt out, uh, not having that break from editing when yeah. I was in LA. It was just constant edit, 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 edit. So, so with here editing here, you said like like commercials and stuff. What? Explain that a little bit, the process, or, or, or just so, how, how a, day, a day of editing goes for you. Sure, yeah. yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of um, advertising agencies out here, and they will either hi- they'll hire from post houses. Like, you know, they'll go to a post house to have the commercial cut. And the editors will get the footage and basically cut the material together in a 30-second TV spot. That's just basically how, and then, you know, choose the music or whatever, and then you go through the notes with the producers and the and the clients from the companies themselves, and they'll say, okay, like, this, should be, let's use this shot instead, or, you know, that's just in a very basic, simple okay. explanation. But when I worked in L.A., I was working on shows like American Idol. Mm. Nice. So that was really crafting stories, you know, there's no script. So you're really creating the script when you sit down with the material and you're like, okay, this is Johnny from Oklahoma. This is Johnny's story. You know, he lost his mom when he was young and now he does, you know, he works on the farm or what. And you, and you create a story. You have, you know, a three act structure. You've got a beginning, middle and end. And yeah. 
it's fun like you and I loved it too because I was in charge of choosing the music for my cuts and so I would always get to pick a song that I loved and because the show had a big budget I'd a lot of times I'd get to use the song that I loved and all of my edits are inspired by music like I'm a very musically driven editor nice so yeah yeah cool 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 and then so the food the food tours um Explain the different types of tours you do. Like so, yeah. So I live in Nakameguro. Okay. I'm a oh, Nakame local. Nice. Yeah. Oh, and you know they got their cherry blossoms. Oh my going god, it's out of control there. right now. Yeah. Chaos. I, I heard somebody was on. Somebody on so somebody on Facebook. They was like, "Please stop coming over here." <laughs> I, I think that was Nayo. Shout out to Nayo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. so crowded. Yeah. Oh my god, I have to walk to Ebisu Station just to avoid the whole thing, or yeah. walk to a whole new station. You know, I'd rather walk an extra twenty minutes to avoid that. But mess, it's something but. that I think people should at least visit one time in their life. It's phenomenal. It is the awesome. first time I experienced it. I had tears in my eyes for days just really? walking. Yeah, it's a really emotional experience to witness the cherry blossoms for the first time because I had heard about it for so for so long. I had dreamt about it, imagined it, and then you hear about the you know the poetic metaphors that people use for cherry blossoms of them being so fleeting and they are and you you watch them and every day it looks different when i walk up and down the river and one day i'm like oh my god and then and then you oh since living here for three years or so you know i know which trees are gonna bloom first and what and and i they have like personalities i have relationships with them like i know you i know (laughs) i know what you're gonna look like next month it's Mm. we it's wild and then you know during the uh festival you know you got all the uh vendors and all the store owners putting their stuff out on the streets and people chilling you know on the sidewalks and everything with their you know their little groups just partying i love it it's beautiful and everybody just comes to life and comes out and enjoys it really embraces it and gets really pissed drunk you know i love it yeah. It's just like a boozy festival. It's probably the best in, time of the year. I think. Yeah. It really is. You know. Mixed with all that love and everything because of the cherry blossoms. Just, the couples are out yeah. so romantic. Yeah. Yeah, it's really sweet. Yeah. Yeah, so you accommodate a lot of different people, right? So, like, say if I want, yeah. well, well, you know, we know vegans are a thing, a big thing now. Do mm. you? accommodate vegans i do i do you know it it, it's not as exclusively japanese when i do that because there's a great falafel shop that's not technically japanese but you know it's still showing them a taste of the neighborhood that is super quaint it's a great little shop they have like vegan soy uh soft serve and yeah and then of course like there's a beautiful soba shop that i can take them to to veggie tempura uh, there's still udon, great udon. There's still a lot to be had as a vegan. Yeah. And there, I even know a vegan ramen sh- uh, place, too. Wow. So, yeah. Vegan ramen. Wow. Yeah, not my fave, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, Once in a while. Yeah, well, you know, um, I always wanted to ask you this when, when I found out that you were coming on. Have you ever ran into, like, any of the famous foodie people that come through Tokyo, like the late, you know, Anthony Bourdain? Or I never crossed paths with Mr. Anthony Bourdain. Bourdain. Or, or, yeah. or uh, George Zimmern. I think, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm thinking about that damn trial. Uh, no, a- <laughs> Andrew Andrew Zimmern. Oh, Andrew, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Andrew <laughs> Zimmern, the uh, the Bizarre Foods guy. No, I have not. I have not. Um 
but I would love to, you know, I'd love to come in contact with more, you know, foodies that come to Japan. I reached out to one of the LA Times food writers recently because uh, she's here, but I never heard back. So mm. <laughs> hoping to connect more with with some of the bigger names. But um, yeah. yeah, Anthony Bourdain, man. I mean, <sighs> yeah. yeah, when I found out about that, I was like, wow. Man, I was heartbroken. Yeah. yeah. And that was really sad, too, for. Uh, yeah, that was dark and very sad it still is yeah but also that we had another sad blow to the gut when um jonathan gold died you i don't know if you guys know know who that is okay so jonathan gold was the biggest name in the food world in la he would come out with a list every year called uh gold's 100 and they were the top 100 list his his top 100 personal list and what Jonathan was so beautiful for doing was going to the real nitty gritty you know hidden spots in in LA that were really diverse uh, culturally speaking he'd go in LA you have so many pockets of food scenes you've got little ethiopia you have little armenia little tokyo Tokyo, you have koreatown chinatown yes the list goes on and on it's so diverse food in terms of food culture and i I miss that a lot actually and so he what he did is he was a food ambassador he would introduce people to places that they would never otherwise go to and and go you you need to go have the pad thai at oh. you know uh at sap coffee shop or whatever and it's like this you know like coffee shop in thai town that's you would never go in but jonathan said to go there so you go yeah and and he just his palate was you know perfect and he knew what was up he loved good soul food and so he would find the goods and he'd bring he'd bring it to the people and like it was just so cool, and he'd go on podcasts all the time. Um, NPR would host a show with uh, KCRW. Uh, Evan Kleinman is a huge food person in L.A. on mm. KCRW talking about food, and Jonathan would go on her show all the time, and they would talk about the new restaurants that were opening in L.A., and and it was just so fun to listen to him, and he had such a beautiful way of writing, and yeah, so how, that, how, that was so he died with like very close to the same time Anthony Bourdain oh, really? died. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I don't remember exactly. Maybe a couple months or something. But anyway, it was just a really sad time, and it still is. But I think people realize from from the, those things happening how how important it is in our lives and how these important these peop- food ambassadors are. Yeah, and to also bring to life. The, the culture behind the food, the, story, the story behind the food. And there it is. Yeah. I love the story behind food. Every dish you have has a story behind it. Yeah. You, do you have any memorable ones uh, from Japan? Any Something that you didn't know about the, the food or a particular dish that you found out? And like, oh, okay. Wow, that's interesting. Well, I'll just say the last restaurant was the last, one of the la- uh, my most recent experiences was at a restaurant called Maruta, and it felt like I was being let in on a story. From the moment I walked in, there was this wooden fire pit where they were slow roasting the pork, and they let everybody get up and take pictures around, and, you know, they would come to your table and, like, 
explain things to you about where the meat came from and how it was raised. And um, and then I started asking them where they came from and what their experience was as chefs before they got to this restaurant. And, and, and it, the whole experience was so uh, cohesive because it was served family style. So you just really, it was... Um, yeah, and then after the meal, like, we went outside, and they taught us how to, like, make fire, and it, it, I don't know. Yeah, it, it was just really It homey. was just such a cool yeah. experience. She yeah. just got me over here. I'm just salivating at the thought of watching that pork just <sighs> fall off the bone. It, well, and then oh. he basted it in this black garlic sauce, and oh. it was just so pretty to watch. Wow. And it was all right in front of you. They nice. cooked it all right in front of you, so... It's really cool. I don't know. I'm going to try to put that in the back of my mind, though. Yeah. I, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head exactly. But So, yeah. so, uh, so for example, let's say... Uh, well, I, wait, I, oh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. I went to a woman's home, actually. I was writing an article for, um, uh, to, for cooking classes or to have an experience eating at a Japanese person's home. And so when I went to write this article, the woman's home who I went to... She had a story for everything that was on the table. The table itself was her grandmother's. She had obis from kimonos as yeah. as the uh, tablecloths. She had cups from all over Japan. That mm. All the dishware was from different places in Japan. Everything had a story on the table, not even just the food. But then every, you know, the food itself, of course, has its historical roots. Mm. So that that was a nice representation of just how many stories are interwoven into what we eat. Let wow. like just even separate from the food. So now, when you have these tours, uh, you 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 have them like a, a tour, like let's say a group of people from the states is visiting Japan. Mm -hmm. Stay. We're going to be staying at the Hilton Hotel, and. Uh, you just gather them all together, and you're the one that walks in front of them with the little tour flag? I like do not a, do flags. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, just, okay, I do okay. not do flags. Yeah, I do not, I do do not flags. Do flags. Okay. No. So the the tours are designed to be to be to be a local experience mm -hmm. it's not meant to feel like you're on a tour it's oh, meant to okay. feel like you're with your best friend who lives in japan who's going to show you what's up and that's how it goes and so a lot of my tours are based out of nakamegaro i take them to all my favorite spots i walk them around the hood i give them you know little tidbits on historical spots and sites and um and then i just take them in my favorite places and i've gotten to know a lot of the chefs and so we can interact with the chefs, we can interact with people around us, and it just really makes people feel like they're with their friend who's taking them around. Because with the first time I came to Japan, that's what I wanted. I, I didn't want, I mean, you can look up TripAdvisor and mm -hmm. all the guidebooks and find all the best places they say to go, but what about those dope places that only the locals know about? Right. That's where I want to go. The mom and pop shops yeah. that were holding the wall. Yeah. Something that Anthony Bourdain would write about. Right. That he never got the chance to write about. I'm trying to uncover those hidden gems and show them to the people. That's what's up. Yeah. And so that's what I do. I These tours are designed to be small groups. They're not large groups. They're anywhere from one person to like maybe five max, six max. That's it. And it's it, they're really custom curated. I, I take the time to find out who's booking tours, what they like, what they're most excited to eat. And I try to incorporate that. 
they're really custom curated. They really yeah. are. And then, you know, if there's an area that they really want to see, we can try to tie that in as well. But again, I, I try to base it out of Nakameguro because it's such a cool neighborhood. I mean, you're 20 minutes walking distance from Shibuya, but you all of a sudden appear to be in this quaint, very residential, very yeah. hip, cool, artist-focused place. Is, yes. So... You don't feel like you're you're in you know the, those intense lights. You're along a river. It's really romantic. It's quaint. It's it's a different pace, and and it's just such a. Every time somebody shows up to Nakameguro who's never been to Japan before, they're like, "Wow, this is so lovely," and so it's like, "Well, okay, yeah, it is. Now let's go eat it." Yeah, you know? yeah. Nakameguro it's is like the a, joint. It's they, a whole beautiful experience. They got some yeah. nice hidden bars there too. Yes. The last I, last on one event was uh. Okay, uh, yeah. I forgot the name of the place. Yeah, Barry. Yeah, Yeah, Barry. That's a cool cool little spot. Yeah. Um, But yeah, and I do cocktail tours too. A lot of I like a a lot of them between Ebisu and Nakame, which is very much walking distance. I can get people to some really cool cocktail places, and I've done cocktail tours. I love that. I'm a big sake fan, cocktail fan. I mean, big. I love alcohol. Okay. I great. love Japanese whiskey, and I'm really into natural wine. I don't know if you ever saw my natural, natural wine article. No. no. Natural wine is it has a huge cult following here in Japan. Really? They drink, I think, 75% of the natural wine coming out of France. It's a whole movement. It's a beautiful way of sustainability when it comes to making wine, and it tastes better. It's better for you. So, so what's what's the difference? Explain it's, the difference. So, na- natural wine starts with an organic grape, but it's not just about that. It's about the entire process and making it with less tannins and and just being really mindful about the environment and the impact you're making. But it's um it's it's much more of a living bottle than a regular bottle because there's more um, sediment in there and it's it's more of a earthy taste and gotcha. uh it's 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 interesting you know a lot what? of skin contact like if you have an orange wine you uh-huh. have the skin contact to the left on so you get this beautiful orange color it's really i I'm love to try it out yeah please where, where, come. where can i go um, is it all over the place yeah just... so if you read my article i list out my favorite standing natural wine bars will do uh savvy tokyo i wrote it for savvy tokyo okay. and mm. I'll send you the link. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. 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 I'll actually put that. You in just the... Google Savvy Tokyo Natural Wine. My article will come up. It gives a little explanation on, on what natural wine is, and then it gives you a really cool list of all my favorite places okay. to go get it. Yeah. Do, so, do, are you getting like how, how does it work with uh, you know these relationships you have with the with the restaurants and stuff? Are they some type of hey? No. No. It's all it's all it's not Japan doesn't really work oh, that yeah, way. Yeah. They're right? very by the book here. Yeah, yes, so I, I, I just you know, I play by the rules and okay. no, it's it's yeah, just going in paying full price and gotcha. they appreciate it and I appreciate them and it's kind of basic, okay. yeah. There's no no Japan food trips discount? I wish. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll day we'll we'll get there, but that would that might take like another five years. I don't know. Yeah. How do you go about trying out new places like Obviously, some research involved. Yeah, a right? myriad of ways. I dig through the internet constantly. I read all my favorite food writers' uh, lists. Um, but I, I drive around on my bike, and I go, that's really cute. What's that one? And then I stop, and I go put my head in a window, and then I put my peek my head into the door, and then I, like, you know... Or I, I, I talk to a lot of chefs. Actually, the chef community is so tightly connected here. All the little, um, you know, sort of... 
bistro boutique places that I love, like Path or, um, let's see, Path of Hero Store. They're all connected. And then, you know, I even go to Kanazawa and eat in Kanazawa. There's a great food scene there. There's a chef up there who owns a restaurant called Plot Home, which is beautiful. And he, he knows the chefs down here. And so if you just talk to these guys, you find out what their friends' restaurants are, and then you just have, like, another list of five more places to go see. Yeah. It's all about just talking to the people who are in the food world here to find out the real cool spots. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so, so your tours are only for Japanese spots or? Well, I try to keep it Japanese focused mm. because if you come to Japan, that's what you want. Right. I would love to put other, you know, regional cuisines on there aside mm. from Japan. It just it depends on what people want. Nakameguro happens to have like three insane pizza places. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I yeah. kind of throw that out there cuz I know people, you know, there's a show called Ugly Delicious that featured one of them. It's on people's radar and when they come to Japan they are going to these pizza places. So I do throw that out there like by the way, there is a pizza place oh. we can go to, that kind of thing. And then gauge what they how they react like if it excites them cool we'll add it onto the list if not okay well or just or i'll you know maybe they can go there on their own i took a tour last week and they um they wanted to keep it japanese focused we did an omakase sushi course um we went to my favorite bakery we went to my favorite little third wave coffee shop um did some japanese sweets and and so on and i mentioned the pizza and they were really excited but we didn't have enough time so they i booked a reservation for them to go have it for dinner the following night and so that's another sort of service that kind of is nice i i I, it's very concierge Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. i'm happy to give more recommendations help people out with bookings like yeah yeah I, i i i try to help out as much as i can these people who you know they come here visiting and they, they want to try Japanese food. Are they willing to try just about anything or they have like limitations a lot of times? Yes or? and no. I got a couple who was down to try chicken sashimi, which was really fun. Uh-huh. And they they got a real kick out. They loved it. Okay. They were like, like fighting over who could finish the plate first. It, and that was cute to watch. Um, and then what was great is she Instagrammed it and all her friends at home were like, what the hell was that? Yeah. Did you seriously eat chicken sashimi? Yeah. You know, it's a great conversation starter. Right. And I'm sure she was tickled pink to, you know, be able to talk about the experience a few times. Uh, and it's a, it's a memory they'll always have. Right. So I love that. And then another couple, they were down to try horse. So sometimes people are, are you know, down to get dirty, but other times, no. Yeah. Like, yeah, because when you mentioned the horse, I, I, I was just ready. You must have read my mind because I was ready to ask you, hey, yeah. did they try the horse meat? Because, yeah. uh, you know, rest in peace, my mother-in-law, she used to order some horse meat, and I would like, we eating raw horse? Here? Yeah, when in she, Japan. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, when she was alive, yeah, yeah, yeah. She would order some because I never had it before. Right. How about a whale? How about some whale? Yeah. Oh, I went to dinner with three chefs one night after a concert. We all went out. We went to, I was really excited to go to an isekai with three top chefs. And I was like, oh, this is going to be oh, so great. Oh. It was so cool. And it was this underground isekai I never would have found on my own. And they were ordering all kinds of cool stuff. And then Where we is get, it? 
It was in Shinjuku, <laughs> and I I wish I could. It was we had too many beards at the concert that I I, w- I wasn't savvy enough to write. I could always call them up and be like, yeah. where was that place? But it was just so fun being there with them. Yeah. Also, but um. Anyway, we're sitting around. We're having all these amazing dishes, and this plate of sashimi comes out that's deep dark red, and I'm like, oh, looks like some nice tuna. I'm like, put it in my mouth, and it just tasted like sadness, and I was like. You know that metal sad taste, mm. and I'm like, what? What it? You know, what is that? And they're like, whale heart, whale hearts. <laughs> I'm like, what? Wh- whale, whale heart? Whale hearts. Yeah, hi. I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> no, you can't do that. No, 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 no. Yeah. And they start laughing at me, like, all right, like white girl, you're not gonna tell us what we can. <laughs> That's can't right. Order. And I'm like, okay. You like, wanted to hang out with chefs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're going to take you, so that was take a, you some places you ain't so never I, been. I just sadly down my chopsticks and took a deep breath and prayed for the whale. I'm a big, yeah. I'm a big ocean lover. But was it good? No. It t- oh. No. No? No. It just tasted sad. It was, so you did, said it was it did whale, not taste like whale tuna. Heart, it was right? whale heart. Oh, whale heart. <laughs> so I, I took I took it one step further. No, I haven't had just whale meat. I've had whale heart. Whoa. <laughs> I've, I've had chicken heart, but. Yeah, I've had chicken heart. But whale heart? Yeah. Uh, we're eating hearts. We're just some yeah. horrible heart. humans. It was a literal broken heart wow. from a whale. Yeah. That's a big issue here, right? Or Oh, yeah. The oh, well, I think God. Americans make a big deal out of the Japanese uh, eating. No, that's the dolphin thing. That was oh, was the, the dolphins? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, oh, the cove? Yeah, but, uh, yeah the cove, yeah. But, um, yeah, they, they are, you know, because they, they say Japanese have always been known to uh, over whale or overfish. I yeah. guess that, if that's the right term yeah. to use. I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> and it's greed, you know. I would I would say that that is a problem. I, I don't, yeah. I don't know if it's an over-exaggeration. I think right. it is a problem. But you know, I have no control over that, unfortunately. And, it, and that's the thing. It's not It's not a protest country. It's not a petition country. I've thought about it a million times. Like, how could I make a small difference in the environmental impact here? And it's just, it's hard. Every day, you know, you go out, you go shopping, you get a bag and a bag and a bag, and I'm like, "Hey guys, oh yeah, stop that's it. that's so, that's been killing me recently. Like, it kills me every day. And I don't know why I've been like so more aware of it these days. But oh yeah, the the effects of plastic. <sighs> yeah, yeah, like they just they just they can use some you plastic. You walk man. around the street and you see every day on trash day, you see the piles, and it's just like yeah. in your face, and it's everywhere. It's not just here, but you know, at least in, being from California, where they outlaw plastic bags, and you have to pay 10 cents for a paper bag you're really aware of it and yes. you know they've outlawed straws now and oh really it's just yeah right yeah it's wonderful i mm. love it i love that california is so mindful of that of those things and they're really continue to work towards making a smaller carbon footprint well you know i've been in japan for 38 years and in my 38 years i've always known japan to be behind they usually eventually catch up but they're always behind in as far as uh controlling pollution like like when um in the states where they stopped smoking in restaurants it probably took japanese another 10 or 15 years to finally catch up from that here right so i'm pretty sure plastic is probably another 10 or 15 years before you start seeing anti-plastic you know uh laws and stuff like that so well they're taking porn on well i don't know if that's all stories but (laughs) You heard about them taking what? away porn, uh, like manga porn away. Oh, manga! Take them yeah. off the shelves. Oh, oh really? 
um, leading up to the Olympics because who wants yeah. to see they don't want a bad reputation. It's all about reputation, reputation though. Right. It's not about anything oh, yeah. else. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Soon, soon, <laughs> as soon as they pack up, all right, is the last <laughs> is the last ski loaded Sep- on the damn plane? <laughs> September 2020, yep. everything goes back. Is to the last exactly. soccer ball out of here? The last tourist yep. should be should be taking away but the who plastic. Who wants to see cartoons have sex? I never understood. <laughs> I never understood. I always wanted to buy one and use it as wrapping paper. No. (laughs) Kind of cute, I guess. But but. I'm too nervous to go buy one and just see the look on their face. Like, what what are you doing? I feel like there's a double standard. Like, women can't buy that stuff, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, Osaka is like a rival to Tokyo, right? Mm. In in so many ways, right? Yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure you've been to Osaka. Yeah. And and you've done your, your foodie tours there or food adventures there mm-hmm. how would you compare who went tokyo, tokyo. Or... really hands down tokyo wow hands down tokyo wins you hear that ayana shout out to ayana That's right. sorry ayana alisa <laughs> ayana sorry yeah i'm a tokyo girl man <laughs> i think osaka's just in its nature it's more relaxed so there is a um, there's just that little extra level of stress that the chefs put themselves under in Tokyo. And you can see that and taste that a little bit, I think, in mm. general. I don't think the food is bad by any... Osaka has incredible food, amazing food. But um, again, to be honest with you, I also haven't explored to the capacity that I have explored Tokyo. Yeah, yeah, so that yes. that is also... I, I Like I said, I am biased. Yeah, yeah. You know, so in that answer. Is, yeah. Plain and simple, I'm biased. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been um, to Kyoto? Of course. And checked out their food Of scene? course. Well, you know, they got this ramen because me and my wife, uh, we drove there and it took about six hours, but I love driving. Yeah. You know, and so we drove up there and uh, we went... They have this ramen where they have this like black... Yeah. Fish. Oh. Sorry. I mean not black fish, but it's it's uh it's like a grilled fish mm. ramen. I forgot the name of it. Uh but it was so good. But it's real famous in Kyoto. Oh interesting. I wonder which shop it was. I just I just went there uh for a day trip, day food trip, actually. Yeah, this shop was on like the second floor or something like oh, that. Okay, different shop. But I just went to one. It's the of guy from Afudi who um, he was the vice president for Afudi, which is a very famous ramen shop here in Tokyo. They actually have a location now in Portland and San Francisco, funny enough. Mm. But anyway, um, he left to do his own thing, and he opened up shop in Kyoto, and he's doing um, a beautiful—he's doing—actually, he has all the broths. He's got shio, shoyu, which is, you know, soy sauce, salt, um, miso, tonkatsu. But what he does is he puts um, sea bream chashu in it, nice. so you, mm. which is beautiful. Like I've never seen that done really. And his noodles are gorgeous. They're made in house upstairs. When you go to the bathroom, you see the window like where they make the noodles, and they just have this bite and this chew that is perfect texture. And he adds like oats to it, so it's flour and oats. So it's not just straight flour in the noodle. I think that's why it has, gives it a nice. Um, kind of nutty texture almost mm. but uh or flavor anyway yeah. yeah a little more wholesome tasting but yeah i um the fish in the ramen is great and they're really focused on seasonal and simplicity mm. so you you know there's a there's a style of vegetable that is known for like kyoto style vegetables and they are so gorgeous it's all they need to be is steamed and somehow they're just the most flavor flavorful vegetables you've ever tasted in your life and so 
Yeah, Kyoto's food scene is is beautiful. You said Kanazawa as well. I yeah. love Kanazawa. Yeah, Kanazawa's food scene is very cool. Kanazawa is an awesome place. I love giving food tours in Kanazawa. Wow. How about yeah. Okinawa? I love Okinawa, but okay. I always ditch Naha and go straight to Ishigaki because the Ishigaki beef is the best in the world. Really? Yeah. Um, okay. Ishigaki beef. I had the best steak of my entire life on, on Ishigaki Island. I'll never forget that steak. I heard that the cattle from Ishigaki um, is where all the cattle originates from that's in Kobe. I was, mm-hmm. I was just about to make that comparison or ask you. Yeah, you know, so is. I think that they have their ancestral roots are from Ishigaki. And sometimes they still even ship them to there, but they're raised in Kobe, but they were maybe born in Ishigaki. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Steffi. Oh, thanks so much for having yeah. me. I could talk to you guys forever. Yeah, this you can come so back at some time. I um, want to, yeah. Your plugs. All right. So you can find media, me yeah. on Instagram at Japan Food Trips. And my website is www.japanfoodtrips.com. And uh, if you're coming to Tokyo, if you're coming to Tokyo, please book a food trip. Yeah. Like, we will go to all the great spots, tiny, fun, little hidden gems, and eat such good food. I'm picky, so I guarantee you'll love it. Cocktail tours, right? Cocktail tours. You do it all. Omakase sushi. We can get real high end with some beautiful Wagyu. Nice. Or we can go, you know, get get grimy at a really cool gyoza spot. Nice. Yes. Beautiful tempura. That's the other thing, too. I curate it to people's budgets if they if it's a private tour. Like, if you want to go five-star, we can, or we can just keep it real cheap and still really delicious. So yeah. that's kind of a nice thing to be able to... In other words, Stephanie stays away from the 100 yen uh, carousel sh- sushi. Oh, I'm too good for that. Oh. <laughs> I know where to get 100 yen, almost 100 yen prices, like, but like Michelin quality, it's mm. not. It's not a, a carousel style though. Yeah, it's not right. a conveyor belt sushi. Yeah, conveyor but belt. there is a, a station. There is a train station that has a standing sushi bar that is dirt cheap, and it's some of the best sushi I've ever had. So that is like. You know, I, I keep that for the friends. Ooh, okay. Right. She, she got some. She got a lot of secrets. Man, she knows I some shit, though. Yeah. I love having secrets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you for coming on. Stephanie's secrets in the house. Yes. Talk foodie to me. Oh. Ooh, <laughs> talk foodie to me. Food porn. Yeah. All right. All right. Peace out. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Roar Urban Mobile Podcast. For more episodes, please visit rump.podbeam.com. Or you can head straight to Google and type in Raw Urban Mobile Podcast. You can also listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you can stream or download podcasts.